Welcome to Treasure Mountain, the podcast that inspires and guides us to find the treasure within human experience. I'm your host, Sol Hanna. Joining us on this episode is a humble monk who was quietly practicing meditation in northern Thailand until he returned to his native Ukraine just three months before the Russian invasion in February 2022. Pante Titidamo was born in the former Soviet Union in 1971. He was a reserve child who enjoyed spending time alone, reading and sometimes visiting Orthodox Christian monastery, monasteries for the quiet environment. At age 14, Bante Titidamo and a friend became interested in the mysticism of Tibet and both decided that they would like to be monks in Tibet. However, it would not be until many years later, whilst on a meditation retreat in Thailand, when he decided to go forth as a Samanera novice monk. After six months, he disrobed and returned to Ukraine. However, life seemed unfulfilling and he returned to Thailand to ordain again in early 2015 in the forest tradition under his teacher, Arjan Suchat. Bante Titidamo returned to Kiev shortly before the Russian invasion on the 24th of February 2022 and experienced some hair-raising situations as the Russian army closed in on his position near Kiev. Despite enduring many difficulties along with millions of other Ukrainians, Bante Titidamo bears no ill will and thinks of Ukrainians and Russians and all humans as being like one big family. He has gone on to become a teacher to Ukrainians, Belarusians and Russians, both online and in person. He teaches in both Ukrainian and in Russian and is finding that there is real interest in the teachings of Buddhism and practices like meditation. Now, Bhante Titidamo is kindly joining us today from Kiev, and we'll be finding out a little about his experiences over the past year or so, and how the practice of Dhamma is helping people find peace amidst war. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us as we seek for the treasure within. Welcome to Treasure Mountain, Bante. How are you today? I'm fine. Hello. Thank you for having me here. I hope, uh, I, I hope your listeners will bear with me for some time. Yes, okay. I should perhaps mention uh, Bante Titidamo's uh, third language is English. So uh, yeah, he's doing his very best and uh, we should all be patient because he's got a very special message for us. Now, Bante, before we dive into this interview about your recent experiences of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to ordaining as a bhikkhu. Uh, well, as you said just, just before, it was nothing special in my biography. I was born in Soviet Union in uh, 1971, grew up as a very reserved child, uh, always liked to be with my own, and uh, most of my time I uh, used to spend with reading books, uh, more lately visiting Orthodox 
church and, and temples within my city uh, because of their peacefulness, because of their calm. Uh, I never understood uh, ideas of Christianity, but uh, the idea of hermitage and uh, life as a monk uh, was always appealed to me. And then at the age of 14, uh, my friend and I, we became like fascinated with uh, mysticism of Tibet and uh, started to read some books uh, about, again, Tibet, Chan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism. Uh, later on, I took up some practice about Wushu, gymnastic, and uh, meditate in my own. But, uh, you know, uh, then like uh, sort of I hit, hit the life with all its ups and downs, mistakes, failures, happiness and sadness. We call it like Russian roller coaster. Uh, uh, one interesting thing, after my uh, ordination, I always felt like uh, I missed, missed something out, like something must be done. And uh, that's just what happened when I was in my 40s. Uh, it, it, it turned out like uh, something like pulled me out from my life. I explain it very often like uh, uh, I jumped in the last carriage of the train. So in uh, uh, 2014, I uh, find myself in Thai in one uh, meditation center. And uh, then I learned about some uh, Thai forest monk. His name, as you said, uh, Arjan Suchar. He uh, spent uh, about eight years also in former Soviet, Soviet Union, studying at uh, the universities of Moscow and uh, Kiev, also Kiev, my native city, capital of our country. Uh, so he uh, speak, speaks, speaks Russian quite well. So I came to him, I asked for ordination, the first time I asked for kind of temporary one, and uh, that uh, that was the way I became. Firstly, I became a summoner for three months, and then for maybe three or four months, I took a full ordination. After that, uh, it was some kind of uh, small business, so I had to came back to my country for a very short time and uh, when I discovered that there is nothing to do for me at that time I came back uh, in time and in February 2015 I became a monk uh, second time up to now so uh, it's, it, it happened about eight years ago like this. Mm, mm. Uh, and I understand if we, before we were talking online for the interview, you mentioned that you were living in Asia, mostly in Thailand, 
and you returned to Ukraine shortly before the Russian invasion. Could you tell us about uh, where you were and what motivated you to return to Ukraine prior to the invasion? Well, uh, my monastery, it's uh, to be more precise, it's kind of chain of uh, forest monasteries. Nikaya, uh, it's a kind of sect, but not like sect, but uh, uh, how to say, uh, one of uh, the of two most popular ordination uh, in Thai, uh, located in northern Thai, near Chiang Mai, it's kind of northern capital of, uh, of the Thai. A uh, quite big chain of the monastery. Uh, our main uh, Ad- Adjan, uh, his name uh, is uh, Lompo Damasa Atit Vien Kalon. He considered it uh, uh, by many uh, Thai people as a Bodhisattva. Uh, so I spent about four years in this in in uh, kind of main. Uh, Training temple, and after that, I spent the uh, last three, three and a half years uh, in, in the temple of my preceptor. Uh, underwent quite good uh, Dutanga practices. Uh, first three years, we we went for these practices with my Ajahn, Tan Suchak, and last three years, I, I did it. Uh, Alone, walking around northern part of Thai, it's uh, it's very close to, if you know, Golden Triangle. It's a corner where three countries meet together: Thai, uh, Myanmar, and Laos. We call Golden Triangle. So, next three or four years, I spent uh, my uh, each Vasa in different temples, but all these temples belongs to one chain. It's kind of one one chain temples. And uh, just now I keep uh, keep in touch with some some our monks. So we are still together, mm. kind of. And uh, to answer your uh, second part of, of the question, I had to go back just because my passport was about to expire. It was about <clears throat> three or less months uh, left. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> at, the same, at the same time, I want to say that I had the idea of kind of settle up uh, a forest temple in, in my country, in Ukraine, because actually many of my um, monks, brothers, uh, um, they did want and they wanted uh, up, up to now, visited our country, spent some time uh, with me here, especially in winter, because I told them that if you could uh, uh, go through uh, maybe short time as a monk in winter, it would be a very good like uh, benefit to your whole 
practice as a forest monk. So I have this idea, I have this idea just now. Uh, the only thing, all these my ideas, all these my plans, they are now kind of suspended because of, of the war. Mm. I'm sure that's true uh, in terms of having plans suspended. I'm sure that's true for millions of Ukrainians. I wanted to ask, though, when you returned to Ukraine, uh, what was the feeling that you had and maybe people around you? Did you feel that there was uh, an invasion that was about to occur or were people more relaxed about it? Did they think maybe it wasn't going to happen? Uh <clears throat> Uh, well, uh, what I have to say is that uh, I, th I think that for most of the people, uh, in spite of this con conflict uh, which became in 2014 uh, with the invasion, uh, not kind of Russian troops directly, but with the annexation of Crimea and all these uh, activities uh, around uh, Donetsk and Lugansk area, but I think most of our people did not expect uh, this turn 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 out in in our relationships relationship mm -hmm. between two countries, because uh, for a very long time our two nations uh, were kind of brother nations. Uh, we uh, were two together, we live together in a very big uh, country for about 70, year, uh, 70 years, named the uh, Soviet Union. You must, you must know this country. And uh, I think from, for most of the people, uh, uh, this turnout was really shocked. But at the same time, I uh, been in Kiev this time, I haven't seen any kind of panic, any kind of chaos, any kind of uh, uh, emotional expression. Uh, people just accept it at ease as a reality and they uh, tried to keep on. They tried to, to do it then, years ago, and they tried and do it now, uh, keep, keep, keep working, keep uh, doing their daily uh, stuff, whatever happened, we have some power cuts, uh, we have some shelling up up to now, but uh, life goes on. Yeah, 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 it's quite amazing. Um, it, it, would you say that in some ways the war has brought the, some good out in people in, in the community? Do you feel like that may be the case? Um, can you repeat it, please, again? Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, do you feel that the war has, instead of bringing panic, has brought about, mm. like, cooperation and brought some oh. good qualities out in people? Yes, certainly, yes. Certainly, it did, because... Uh, I do not can communicate with with people so so much, and I did not do it uh, before because, as a monk, I used to stay 
in my own, in my like Kuti, in my at my place. We don't used to to walk uh, around and uh, to um, get in touch with with people too much, and uh, maybe the uh, um, circle of people who really get in touch with us is quite narrow. But I what uh, I hear from people, what I hear from uh, some news. Uh, our nation is uh, uh, more united, more uh, like one family now than ever. And uh, people um, uh, express more kindness towards each other, more uh, politeness, more patience. Uh, so I think uh, maybe it's not right uh, way to to say this, but in some way uh, these events uh, did uh, contribute to some kind of um, uh, uniting people. I don't know mm -hmm. how how to say it's more precise, more clear. Uh, but sure. I think, but I think it. Uh, Mm, uh, kind of feature that belongs maybe to any nations who suffer this kind of uh, uh, events very hard, harmful. Yeah. Now, uh, you go back to Ukraine, you want to renew your passport, and you're thinking maybe it's possible to start a forest monastery in Ukraine or something like this. And then the war starts quite suddenly and the Ukrainian government put a ban on men of fighting age from leaving the country. Does this mean that you are stuck in Ukraine right now? Uh, actually, yes. We do kind of uh, closed in uh, within our countries like many others, like, <laughs> like all others uh, grown men, uh, at the age from 20 to 60 years old. And uh, there is, uh, they, they say that there is some uh, kind of opportunity to, to go out for a short period of time, but it uh, requires a very big uh, bunch of documents and uh, um, Permission, though, it's quite uh, impossible for us now. But uh, <clears throat> I, uh, my attitude to this, uh, we have what what we have, and uh, what we can do in this situation is to stay uh, awareness, to stay calm, to try to get uh, maximum benefits from from this. At the month, we try to. Uh, communicate uh, with people more about uh, meta uh, practice, about uh, um, uh, practice uh, of uh, recollection of, of the death, something like like this. So, if you, uh, for example, ask me whether I regret about it or not. Definitely, definitely not, because 
I did learn a lot, uh, not about uh, only my uh, Ukrainian people. I learned uh, a lot about myself, about how my uh, mind works in very uh, different, difficult uh, situations. Uh, I learned about how my heart works. Uh, I get uh, very deep uh, experience uh, from the very uh, fact of the war, of this uh, fear, deep fear, which arises inside you when you hear all these uh, explosions, all these uh, guns. Uh, so it's quite amazing experience. Wow, that's incredible. I think a lot of us who are living in countries that are peaceful and relatively safe find that incredible because some of us are dealing with anxiety and fear and we don't have to deal with that situation. But I also find it so interesting that for you is like the war and the harsh conditions, the fearful conditions really became for you an opportunity to practice the Dharma more deeply, which is really interesting. I do want to ask you more, though, about your experience, because at the outbreak of the war, you were living in Kiev. And uh, just to refresh listeners' memory, at the time, there was a three-pronged attack by the Russian army into Ukraine. And one of those was coming out of the north and was aimed at taking control of Kiev and got very close to Kiev. Bante, could you tell us about your personal experience during this early phase of the war? Well, uh, if to be more precise, Russian troops did not go through Belarus. They go very close to, it's kind of very nearly to Belarus. And uh, certainly uh, they was very close to us, uh, especially to, to the place where we and my uh, senior monk and I was uh, staying about five kilometers away from front lines. And uh, what I must, what I have to say, it was certainly an unforgettable experience. All these sounds of sirens, barricades, uh, our house was on a very busy street and uh, they built kind of road block just uh, in front of our windows and uh, um, as they remember now we had the first explosions around four or five uh, in the morning on February 24 and uh, uh, firstly we did, didn't understand what it was at all. And then we heard some more and some more, and then sirens went on. Uh, the day after the explosion started coming more close, even the house began to shake. And uh, the most profound experience out of that uh, then, uh, is that um, kind of very deep, uh, deep ancient fear, very inner 
fear you start uh, to experience. You cannot, uh, at first moment, you cannot kind of manage it. You cannot cope with it because it's really when you uh, when you feel and when you became to aware that uh, just every any 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 every second you can be killed or kind of tired apart your with your body it's really very deep very ancient very strong feelings and only after that it was very kind of unforgettable moments only after that uh, your uh, nowhere my, my teacher called calls it nowhere someone who know only after some one or two minutes your nowhere became uh, walk walks and uh, observe mind observe feeling ab observe your emotions but it it wasn't really very easy it was really difficult so not to uh, kind of carried away with all this inner feelings inner uh, fear something like this and uh, the turning point here i believe uh, is to try in uh, situations like this the turning point is to try to maintain awareness to stay alert to stay mindful not to be as i said carried away by these emotions feelings thoughts and then as it says if there is enough practice of formal meditation what we do in our zala in our meditation centers uh, the mind can can pull itself together very very in very short time it can focus it can be focused and go through all stages of uh, samadhi and move straight on to vipassana i think it's practically very difficult maybe at times like this but uh, i believe it is if it succeeds it yields significant mm. I, just find that, I find that really interesting that the thing that you have just told us about is really your inner experience and how obviously there's this tremendous fear which just can um, arise just quite naturally because there's explosions going off everywhere there's mm. sirens yeah. it is a, a genuinely very dangerous environment uh but then i guess you said it's almost like it, the fear wakes you up but then you go on and um you are able to be mindful but I guess the challenge was to not be dragged along with ideas about what could go wrong. Did you find that you were able to maintain present moment awareness during this time or was it just very difficult? Uh, as, I, as I said, firstly, it, um, it wasn't just uh, the next, the, the very next moment after you uh get to know what's uh, what's going on around but uh, then uh, as i said again it's very important to 
to have maybe some kind of uh, basic level or maybe some kind of uh, level of knowledge and some kind of ex experience of uh, previous practices on our hateful path. It's, it's very important because uh, when you um, uh, can uh, sustain this uh, state of awareness, it's again, I want to say again, uh, I think it's very difficult in situations like this. And I think it depends. It's very personal. It's, it's, it's very in, in individual. And I think it depends on what kind of uh, situations, what kind of, uh, it depends on time, it depends on places, it depends on many things. Uh, as for me, I want to, I do not state, I don't want to state that I kind of achieve some kind of uh, special uh, state of mind, but uh, to keep kind of basic awareness, if you remember how it works, if you have some, as I said, basic uh, experience of uh, formal meditation practice, it's, I believe it's very achievable. So uh, it's just, uh, the matter of uh, trying, it's the matter of sati, it's uh, the matter of remembering who you are and uh, what what are you doing here. I can mm. I I cannot give some kind of one uh, what I what I try to say. I cannot give some kind of uh, one. Uh, uh, methods for uh, for e for everyone and for any kind of uh, uh, cases like this uh, everyone i think everyone should find uh, their own way how to keep uh, keep on practicing how to keep on be aware and mindful in uh, situations like this but i want to say that we should try we should remember that we are uh, 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 take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sankha. It, uh, it means that we uh, took this refuge for 24 hours a day, not only when we uh, are sitting in meditation center or when we go through morning or evening sessions. We must remember about uh, our Pavana every time at any given moment mm. that's what i try to 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 say mm -hmm. mm, very good uh, i do want to move forward now um we of course now know that the ukrainian defenders of, the, of kiev were successful and uh, the Russian army retreated from Kiev, although the war goes on in the south and the east. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to ask you, um, it seems that you are in a somewhat unique position being a Buddhist monk in Ukraine right now. I understand there's two other uh, Buddhist monks there, but that's not a whole lot. 
How has your role as a monk changed since uh, the invasion? So after that initial period, which was uh, very, very dangerous, uh, in the months since, how has your role as a monk changed? Uh, okay. Uh, no, as we said, as we mentioned uh, at the beginning, I came back to Ukraine in just a few months before the invasions. Invasion. So I uh, did not have uh, too much opportunity to uh, get in touch with many our Buddhists in Kiev, in particular, because uh, not so many people. Uh, came to visit me just maybe two months. They did not know me. I before that I did not get any did not do any attempt to promote myself. I just uh, came back and uh, I would say that for many uh, <clears throat> for many people, maybe not for many, but for some our people, it was like I came from unexpected direction and with unexpected demands for some people. And uh, another um, reason is that, uh, uh, strictly speaking, Thai tradition uh, does not so uh, well known in Ukraine in some reason, maybe because uh, some years ago, some first man came to Sri Lanka, and uh, then he came, then he took full ordination in Sri Lanka, and uh, then uh, another man went uh, after him, uh, although, as you maybe know, and uh, maybe it's very similar to many countries, Western countries, uh, in my country, Goenka, tradition was and is very popular and many people, men and women, uh, became to know Buddhism exactly through Goenka tradition and then they switched to Mahasi, Sayadu techniques and uh, schools, Pauk, Sayadu and other teachers from Myanmar and Sri Lanka. And uh, the Thai tradition is known mainly for uh, Ajahn Chah's books, and uh, even and more recently uh, for uh, Ajahn Chayasaras and Ajahn Brahms' uh, Dhamma talks in, on YouTube and uh, many kinds of books. But before, uh, Thai tradition wasn't so uh, popular and well known. So when I came back, my one of my goals was to spread uh, uh, Thai attitudes towards not only formal practice, but uh, towards uh, uh, the whole meaning of Buddhist practices, like formal uh, and in, informal. Uh, and I didn't. I don't say that something has changed so much. Uh, I would say uh, the state of war uh, does not contribute so much to it because uh, up to now, uh, moving 
around our country is not uh, as uh, easy as it been before. Uh, as you mentioned, we have uh, martial law in you and uh, moving around the country not so easy. People cannot uh, come to us uh, just uh, any days when they want. Many, many of our uh, people went out from Ukraine, I mean uh, women, a lot of women who used to support monks in Ukraine and uh, in other countries they went out and they now outside Ukraine so mostly we can we, we get in touch together online mm. yes uh, I, I was going to ask you that what is the main method of teaching that you do is it uh, individual counseling or is it in groups is it in person or online what what is the main way that you're teaching at the moment i would say it's the same it's uh, it, both of these practice uh, has uh, their benefits because again uh, moving around uh, our countries is quite difficult now uh, and uh, all communication take place uh, online uh, sometimes we do we do uh, at the beginning of the war we uh, set up kind of online classes but not uh, only for ukrainians for any who speak russian and there uh, were, uh, at the beginning, some kind of uh, wave of uh, adversary from some uh, Ukrainians, Buddhists, mostly because of the language, because of uh, we three months here, mostly we use uh, Russian language because uh, I am actually originated from uh, Russian family and my both uh, senior monks here, they are as well, they are from Russians and uh, to talk about this is kind of different uh, question now. But uh, what we do now, we do lessons for any who uh, attain our online uh, classes. Uh, Ukrainians, Belarus, Russians, uh, maybe from uh, any other countries uh, of former Soviet Union. What I want to say that uh, I think, uh, I believe that the best way to show the usefulness of the practice is uh, our personal example. Many people, the very fact that uh, people see or at least know that uh, there are uh, three of us monk here who, despite all the difficulties, all this uh, hardship uh, during the war, we uh, not only uh, stay here, but we continue to practice Dhamma, Vinaya. So I think uh, it's kind of the best way to to show 
the right attitude to Dhamma to practice as well. Mm, mm. I think uh, this is a really interesting point that you've raised. I just wanted to clarify for the listeners uh, who are outside of um, Ukraine that it's, you know, Previously, there was the Soviet Union and the common language was Russian. So in all of the different republics, people spoke Russian quite commonly, but also people moved around. So even now, there are a lot of people who are Ukrainian background living in Russia and Russian background living in Ukraine. And in fact, uh, even President Volodymyr Zelensky, I believe, is from a Russian speaking part of Ukraine. So I think it goes back to that sense that you said at the start, the shock how could this war happen when we're all really interconnected? I think that was a key thing, that, key point that came up. Uh, but I did also want to ask, uh, you said that uh, you've also got people who are uh, Belarusian and also Russians who are logging into your online classes. Are they Russians in Russia or Russian speakers in Ukraine or are they, in some cases, Russians who have fled Russia because of the the draft? Because uh, I know a million Russians have actually left Russia, is what I've heard on the news. Uh, where are those people coming from mostly? I don't know. I never gave <laughs> so much thought about this. Actually, for me, it's kind of a very difficult to accept for many. Uh, it was very difficult. Uh, it was like challenge to accept uh, this, my point of view for some our Ukrainians, Buddhists, but my point of view that it, it doesn't matter for me as long as uh, he or she practice, uh, he, he or she takes uh, refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, he or she takes five or more precepts and uh, maybe it can sound uh, a little bit uh, hard or tough for some people but for me it doesn't matter if someone came come to me and uh, ask uh, to give him some kind of uh, teaching uh, and he asked me, as it uh, must be, he asked me three times, like first time and DTMP and TATMP, I will teach him. I do not ask, I will not ask him what is your nationality or what is your like uh, uh, vision about uh, some kind of politics matters or uh, something like this. For me, uh, what what what's for what's more important for me is attitude. Uh, this man or this woman to practice to Buddhism to the idea of this holistic idea of uh, what is uh, the Buddhist way of uh, practice and living and what you do. Uh, just you. And uh, uh, what my teacher taught me very often that uh, you should first look at yourself, not look to, to another, not to try to evaluate or judge another people to look uh, uh, our world through 
yourself, it's uh, one of the characteristic of Dhamma, Dhamma Musati called Opanaiko. So our, my teacher very often uh, stressed out to this, that you should, uh, if you even teach people, if you even uh, uh, met, meet some people, anyway, you should uh, see at yourself first, not judge people, not uh, evaluate people. So actually, I, uh, to your, come, come back to your question, that's why I actually uh, wasn't concerned in this, why and uh, who, who is she, who, who is he, why is, uh, why he is there or she is here, something like this. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, it, it, from a Buddhist perspective, it doesn't really matter who they are, what their nationality is, if they are sincere in their attitude, then I think that's an amazing that you can put all that aside and just teach the person in front of you, even if they're online and you don't necessarily know where they're from. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I did want to ask one thing that specifically is um, I believe that you've even given teachings to Ukrainian soldiers who, you know, maybe they've spent a bit of time away from the front and then they have to return. What has that experience been like um, teaching soldiers who want to practice Dharma but uh, also are duty bound to defend their defend their country yeah very interesting question and very uh, difficult one because uh, actually Buddhism uh, do not teach how to deal with uh, with this situation especially with the war how to survive uh, in in the time of of war, we do not find in Pali Canon any sutta which can ex explain this matter. And actually, especially at the, at the beginning of the war, many men mostly asked us uh, what what we should do because uh, due to martial law, now any man can be draft to military and uh, must serve uh, their country. Even us, monk, because in my country, Buddhism is uh, not like state religion. And anytime we are three of us, we can be uh, pulled out from our places or at least asked, asked to be uh, uh, kind of uh, to serve military in some way. So many men uh, wrote to us or came to us and asked what should we do? Should we, should we take up a gun? Should we uh, participate in some kind of uh, activities to help uh, in front line? Maybe not to take up a gun, but uh, kind of dig the uh, how to say, drainage, yeah. yeah. yes, uh, dig the branches or nurse uh, in some like uh, medical center. And uh, we, we replied, we don't know, of course, we must uh, defend our country, but uh, personal, uh, 
everything very individual. It depends not only on some kind of uh, causes and uh, conditions just now. If to speak uh, more, if to see more broad uh, picture, it depends on such matter like a personal karma. Uh, so we don't have uh, one particular question to this, uh, one particular answer to this question, how to deal, uh, how to survive as a Buddhist in, uh, at the time of, of the war, as to soldiers. Yes, we do have some of them in our community. They are Buddhists. Uh, sometimes they come to us, sometimes they uh, get in touch with us online. Uh, what we are talking about, not about the war. Uh, maybe it sounds kind of unusual for you, but uh, uh, the most uh, our talk, uh, the most our topic we discuss through is to totally related to Buddhism. We talk about sutta, we talk about um, basic practice or kind of some uh, profound practices of um, sati and tamaki and also vipassana. If these guys wants to talk about war, we talk, but actually we don't force them. We don't touch this topic because I think, personally, I think uh, the um, uh, idea of war uh, cannot be very good tools for ex explaining Dhamma. Mm. Uh, because war itself, they uh, can bring uh, to mind uh, uh, kind of unskillful uh, thoughts, unskillful uh, feelings, unskillful emotions. So we usually do not touch with them this topic. Mm. What we do uh, sometimes em emphasize with them is that uh, we uh, ask uh, ask them. We no, they un understand, of course, but we. Every time uh, when we have opportunity, we try to emphasize that you should try not to do harm. You should not try to engage uh, in like kind of direct clashes with uh, another soldier from another side. You should not try to kill. It's 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 very important. And of course, uh, what uh, we uh, teach to them uh, is. Uh, try to keep ideas of Buddhism inside your heart, not to feel it with cruelty, with hatred, with revenge, with rejection, because any external war will end sooner or later. Mm. But, to end, to, but to end the internal con conflict in your mind is sometimes much harder and takes much more longer time. What we, that's what we try to explain, not only soldiers, but any people now. Wow, that's really, really quite profound advice. Uh, I did want to ask, you mentioned that you find that they don't really want to talk about the war. Do they just want to talk about Dhamma or perhaps there's something specific like dealing with um, fear or trauma? Does that come up at all or does people want to just put that to one side and focus on 
learning more about the practice? No, we sometimes uh, talk about this, but um, uh, not so often. Actually, we have one guy who is um, kind of very uh, profoundly in this in this level. He was a Buddhist uh, for a very long time before the war, and he even wrote some kind of uh, analogy of Satipatthana, especially for soldiers. Mm. Uh, very interesting work. I uh, read it. Uh, it not very differs from. Uh, traditional Satipatthana, but he especially include, in, include, includes uh, the, uh, some kind of uh, specific advice how soldier in the front line when he sits uh, inside uh, the, the, this uh, range, when he just uh, hear all the sounds, all this, all this shooting, uh, what he should do with his, uh, for, for example, object like bread, maybe like elements. Also, he includes the very deep, profound practice of uh, uh, Marana and Nusati, recollection of death. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's uh, <laughs> uh, suits to everyone because uh, it's kind of very profound practice and uh, one should one should have a very deep very uh, uh, strong level of of the understanding what's what's going on here was that was that a soldier he wrote a book um kind of applying satipatthana the foundations of mindfulness to the role of a soldier he wrote a book about that is that right it's not a book it's not kind of a book it's kind of essay all oh, right yes 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 kind of small yeah, right. essay about how to sustain awareness, mindfulness uh, exactly on the front line mm. and uh, how to practice Satipatthana. Yes, he wrote kind of this essay, mm. but uh, I'm not sure uh, about uh, uh, what is, uh, was it spread somewhere else or not, because actually, Mm, Ukrainians, uh, Ukraine country considered to be a very strict uh, Christianity Orthodox country and Catholic in in the West. And when sometimes people um, uh, are get interest interested in what we do and uh, who we are, but this uh, interest mostly kind of curious, kind of oh. Mm -hmm. Who is this, and what what are you doing here? Like when someone maybe I I think maybe when someone see some guys sitting in this kind of branch and read some unusual texts and spell some unusual words, maybe someone really can be interested in what I what are you doing here? What are you reading? What kind of practice you apply. But I asked my uh, another my uh, uh, layman who uh, as well a soldier now, I asked him uh, whether he tried to expand our ideas to uh, his comrades. 
uh, he uh, said, uh, yes, he tried, but actually he failed. And uh, maximum, uh, at maximum, at least, uh, he said me, at least it was like uh, five, ten minutes curiosity, not, not more, something like this. Mm -hmm. I'm just finding it just so interesting because, I mean, none of us really knows how we're going to react uh, being put under that kind of pressure. Where, where there's imminent danger like that and until it actually happens. Um, so I guess my, my last question is, it's quite a big one, is uh, how can we find peace in during a time of war? Is it even possible to find any peace? Uh, and if, if it is possible, how can we find some peace during a time of war? Yeah, this is really tough, tough tough one, and I believe there is no one answer to this question. Uh, everyone, I think, should find their own answer. Uh, as a man, what we can do is to make uh, this person to think of it. Uh, I think, I believe that uh, try to find peace uh, during the war. It's maybe not a very wise approach to this. We should try to find peace before the war. And uh, there is some uh, book in Chinese Buddhism, maybe not in Chinese Buddhism. Uh, I don't remember the exact name because I read it many years ago in my youth, but uh, in this book said that uh, um, the best war is the war that uh, didn't happen. And uh, the best politics is the politics who did not get to, uh, to this last stage, because the war itself is the last stage of the politics. And when uh, if uh, both politics are quite wise, they, I believe, will not uh, get uh, the quarrel between two countries to that level. I think it's uh, the, wise, uh, the wisest solution to this, to this question. Because as I said, uh, war mostly manifests the negative mm. qualities of mind, like hatred, aversion, revenge, cruelty, and uh, the best, uh, um, maybe the worst uh, qualities uh, of this is the, this uh, uh, characteristics of mind they uh, in, in, inherited. So uh, our second generation, our third generation, even uh, when the war is over, they are still engaged in this, uh, again, hated aversion, revenge to opposite side. But it's very, it's very, it takes a very deep understanding. You must understand what's going on uh, and uh, how to accept what's happening in very deep level and uh, to again to find this answer to find this right answer in at, at the time of war you must uh, start training yourself from basics like this 
simplest thing. Again, as we uh, talk about Buddhism now, as a Buddhist, we should try to like uh, start from sila, from morality, and uh, start again from yourself. When you train yourself, you affect uh, another people. Your practice, your uh, uh, mindfulness, awareness, they it, it's really influence another people in better way i believe mm, mm. well look uh thank you very much bante titidamo for you know, spending some time with us and helping us to understand the experience uh that you're going through and then also many other ukrainians are going through and also how perhaps we can have a wiser approach a more mindful approach even during a time of war. Thank you. So it was very pleasure for me to be here. And uh, I think I, I, I hope maybe we will do it again sometimes. Mm. Yes, let's hope so. Thank you very much. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us for this episode of Treasure Mountain with Bante Titidamo and giving us a totally fresh perspective upon not just the war in Ukraine, but how it can affect us in our practice and so forth. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd appreciate if you could share this episode with your friends or other people who you think could benefit from its sage advice. And don't forget to click on the follow button on your podcast app so you get the latest episode turning up in your stream. Treasure Mountain Podcast is part of the Everyday Dhamma Network. You can find out more about the Treasure Mountain Podcast by going to the link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, you can also find out on the Treasure Mountain website information about previous episodes and guests, as well as transcriptions of our interviews. And if you go back to the everydaydhamma.net homepage, you can discover more about the three other podcasts on the network and links to subscribe to any and all of them. I hope you will join us again for our next episode. And until then, may you all have happiness and peace.